0: Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Inside Scoop. My name is Neil Crawford. I'm your host, and I'm also the founder of Anytime Soccer Training. If you're just joining us, you know the Inside Scoop is a podcast dedicated to helping parents learn about the soccer pathways that would be available to their child if they lived in another city around the world. And another city around the world is what we're definitely doing today as we are traveling to Italy. And I'm going to introduce a gentleman who is um, a military, uh, active military member. Thank you for your service in the Air Force, who is coming to us by uh, where where he was born, then South Carolina, moved around a lot. His Kids. He has two kids, the oldest one did some youth soccer. He did some coaching in the DC area, DC, Maryland, Virginia area. And now they are living in Italy and he'll drop the name of the city ex- uh, exactly. And during our pre-interview, we, we talked a lot about his daughter and the opportunities that she has in terms of playing in other cities around, the, uh, around Europe and of course in Italy that will become available um, after COVID. And I just thought it was um, just a wonderful conversation and a, and a great experience. So I'm looking forward to learning about the details of, of, of Italian Youth Soccer Pathways. So with no further ado, let me introduce Alejandro Moreno Ro. I messed it up, <laughs> pronounce it for me, man, I'm horrible. Hey,
1: it's okay. Hey, Neil, thank you for having hey. me again. Yes,
0: it's Munera. Munera. You know what you should have said? It rhymes with Panera. Munera. Yeah. But, oh, see, yeah. but see, Alejandro, you're from South Carolina. You're from Greenville. And the people who listen to the show know I'm from South Carolina. So you know that your name probably has been butchered <laughs> in South Carolina a zillion times. So you're probably used to it by now.
1: Yes, most definitely. I get used to it. Even (laughs) from my first name to my last name,
0: I got used to it. Well, it's like my dad used to say, it doesn't matter what you call me, just call me. So welcome to the show. And we're going to jump right into it really quickly. So the way it works is, uh, and for our normal, regular listeners, they're going to understand, but I want to do this for your benefit. I'm going to tee it up by explaining some of the big general uh, overview of uh, pathways in U.S youth soccer how my child can play organized soccer and how it's structured and then i'm going to ask you to do the same thing um, from the italian's perspective and then we're going to dig into the details about uh what it actually happens and i always tell my guests and i'll share this with you um talk to us uh almost like we're a relative trying to move over there right this show is about literally what are we going to see what are we going to pay how does it work how does it, what is the competition level what's the coaching like And then to the best of your ability, you're going to try to juxtapose that to what you have experienced in the U.S. So I'm going to get started now. So the first thing that we have to remember in the U.S. is uh, when you start thinking about youth sports in general, and especially youth soccer, we are under a pay to play system. And that effectively means get your pocketbook out. Now, there are a lot of as I talk to more and more guests from abroad, they'll say, yeah, yeah, I understand pay to play. But then for the ones who are not familiar with the states, when I start dropping how much you have to pay, then they start saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, this is this is something that we're not used to. So we, we are under the umbrella of the pay to play system. But what that does do is because it's a market-based system, it does afford our, our children opportunities to play soccer, if you can afford it, that are very customized to your own particular needs. And what that means is, you know, whether your child is really serious, where your child just wants to have a kick about, whether your child is in between, there's someone out there in the US soccer industry that will, will take your family's money and provide you a good, a good, a decent product. So this is how it works. Here are the big buckets. The first is what well, the first two big buckets are. Um, Well, there's three big buckets at first. There's franchises. So these are companies that have set up to offer soccer opportunities, right? So we have franchises. And those normally are at those younger ages. So your kid is three, four, and you want to be out on the field and run around with them. There there are these franchises you can pay your money to and do that, right? And then those franchises tend to go up a little bit higher to about eight, nine, 10, 11, and they offer some kind of recreational program which brings me to the next category, which is a recreational program. And those recreational programs, again, are, are offered by either a franchise, but the, they're mainly offered by clubs. So your equivalent of AC Milan will have a recreational program, okay? And that again is for kids who just wanna play, just wanna have a good time. Mom and dad are coaching. So several different organizations, so you can have a church, a nonprofit, a club uh, that has a professional team, all of, those prog- all of those organizations can offer a recreational program. Companies can offer a recreational program. And those recreational programs can go from as young as five years old, all the way into adulthood. And again, the emphasis there is total fun, mom and dad are coaching, or there's some volunteer coach as you get older and you're, just, um, and you're just practicing one day a week and you're playing a game on the weekend and that's it. All right. And then the other big category is what we call travel soccer. Travel soccer is not offered by um, like businesses or franchises. So just get that a uh, note. They don't offer travel soccer. And your churches and your other nonprofits don't offer travel soccer. Travel soccer is for the more committed kids and committed parents. And it's almost exclusively offered by clubs. But within travel soccer clubs, we have clubs that have professional ties. So your DC United will offer a travel soccer program. And then we have clubs that don't have professional ties but um, offer the equivalent of a sort of academy style travel soccer program. My son is a member of one of those. They don't, they're not attached to, their club, his club is not attached to a professional team, but they still offer a, I'll just say professional service for the purposes of this. So that's travel soccer. In a typical American travel soccer program, you will um, practice three days a week at a minimum and uh, play games on the weekends and it's normally a 10-month program where the rec could be like an eight-week two eight-week programs one in the fall one in the spring and you pay separately you don't know what team you're going to be on they just randomly pick travel soccer it's a 10-month program normally um and the kids are a little bit more committed so that's that those are the that's that's one those are the one big categories and then the then another big category or school soccer. Now in America, school soccer, which I'm defining is your public school, your private school um, offering a soccer program as an extracurricular, it doesn't, in general, doesn't start until the kid is in the seventh grade, which is about, let's see, 12, 13, seventh grade, that's when they offer um, uh, soccer now that's typically not considered as competitive as travel soccer and the seasons are very short um but yeah that's in that and you can play in the high school i'm oh, sorry you can play uh, uh, school soccer all the way up to high school most of your really really serious players don't play in the school soccer they play in the club because it's 10 month season okay then we have what I would call uh, some other. I put this in the other category. We have futsal. We have some official futsal leagues that are coming on board that are part of the national futsal associations. We have his. We have recreational programs. Remember, but they're offered by our Hispanic communities. This distinction is important, is a quite unique thing in the States, especially where I'm at, where you have predominantly uh, Hispanic clubs or, or I should say communities who say, listen, we want to have our team. We want to create a team for our kids in the neighborhood or our kids and family. We don't want to go through all the red tape that's required to be registered as a uh, official club in the U.S. So we're just gonna create a recreational team, but it's almost like a rhino and, and people in politics and they like Republican in name only. They're recreational in name only because they're serious clubs, they have their own league, but they're still categorized as recreational and they just play all the time. So my son guest plays a lot with a, a local Hispanic club and, I, and he really enjoys that. And then, um, yeah i think if i'm not i try to go down the list i try to be categoric and i think that's it so to summarize we have school soccer club soccer recreational soccer and then we have this bucket of others which is your indoor leagues your futsal leagues and then we have predominantly hispanic leagues that fall on the recreational but they then the teams but they then create their own leagues and they play each other mainly and put it all in a bow the club soccer is sanctioned by u.s soccer which is our equivalent of fifa and u.s soccer has given the right to a couple of other organizations to also uh, regulate or uh, administer clubs and leagues and one of those big ones is u.s club so i'm going to summarize it like this my the uh, kid wants to play soccer in America, I pull out the Rolodex. Based on how serious he is, if he just wants to play for fun, he plays for recreational. If he's serious, he'll play for a club team, and that club team will be registered with U.S. soccer or U.S. club. If He, he can also play for a local Hispanic club who is considered recreational, but they're very, very serious. He can also play indoor or futsal and all those opportunities are available and all those opportunities cost some degree of money and it gets more expensive as you go. And those club programs are year round, those Hispanic clubs are typically uh, year round. So that's 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 the avenue of how it works. And then as the child gets older, and this is the final point on this, that, that those clubs that offer those travel programs, they split into two big programs within that. One is called the Academy. So as they get to about youth 12, youth 13, that club will say, okay, and I'm glazing over a lot, but we're gonna have one tryout for the Academy team effectively. Even though they all kind of know who the Academy players are, and that will be that top team. And for all practical purposes, that academy team is the team that's in the pipeline to become professionals or go to a college and play. But where it's different from what I'm understanding is in Europe, that's all that that club has. So AC Milan would only have the academy program. Where in the States, it's a split. So, you know, DC United will have the academy program. Atlanta United will have the academy program. But there's all these other um, programs that these clubs offer, challenge programs, which is kind of in between. I gl- glanced over that, and then they have, and and then they have all these teams underneath it. So my my local club here is NCFC. We have an academy program, but then we have uh, in those age groups, it could be as many as ten other teams that are under those and they get you know less talent, less talent, less talent as you talented as you go the team right under the academy program will be very competitive to a, another academy those are kids who are on the bubble so they'll be on the second team and some of them will move up and some of the academy players will move down and that kind of thing so when you get to the academy level some of the mls clubs you don't have to pay anymore if you make that academy team and you're in an mls club many of them you do not pay but there are a lot of clubs who offer the academy-type program. And even though you're on that academy st- team, you still pay to play. And so that's that's a summary. And then you let me know if you have any questions. But now that I've given you a data dump on U.S. soccer pathways, much of that you'll be familiar because you're coming from the States. And that's another reason why I went pretty quickly. Go ahead and tell me what are the big categories of entry and pathways for soccer in Italy
1: okay yes actually I found out a lot of things that I didn't know about the academy well thanks I keep that in mind when I come back yeah. so the way it works here in Italy so it goes by schools so there's three different kind of schools kind of like you said the recreational and then the travel so here the basic is something called centro calcistico Base. so it's like a basic school And that's kind of like a recreational and it's usually hosted by teams that are in in La Comune. So there's like your local teams here in Italy it's divided by like little towns with little churches. So they have a little church and they will have uh, uh, un campo, like a pitch of soccer. All right. Then everybody can go in there, you can apply and you can play for fun. But here's the catch, even with the smallest with the Centro Calcistico di base, you have to sign a contract for a year you cannot play for any even if it's recreational you're playing for this team unless you crossed out that that contract you cannot leave the club so the second one where it becomes more competitive is de it's like school of soccer that's the step above the recreational and they tend to be more picky when it comes down to selecting their players they don't necessarily do a tryouts or get invited to play, but they are very competitive. Um, and it's the same. It depends on the location. Like, for example, where I live, we have one here in Fontana Freda that is a escuela de culture They're pretty competitive, and they get to play against most of the teams. Uh, but to get in, they're a little more picky. Now, like you say, like the uh, uh, the travel. Like, if you wanna like be serious about it. You gotta find a club that that is Scuola Calcio Elite, like elite soccer school. And that's when usually those are affiliated, like you said, to AC Milan. Or, for example, like my daughter plays for Porenone Calcio, which is in Serie B. They consider it to be a professional club. So they are very competitive to get into. For example, you have to try out or get invited to get in there. Usually the practice, like you say, travel is two or three times a, mo- a week. Once you in the club like this, school elite, the calcio, you, if you're eight years old, a boy, eight years old, not for girls, for eight years, you practice four times a week and play games on a Saturday and sometimes you play tournaments on a Sunday, depending, especially in the spring. The spring is where most of the tournaments happen. Now, I ask the same question because sometimes when we play against some teams, you can tell the level is very different. So in like they call it Hilagata, like the, the regular Saturday-Sunday league. You just play by, like, the province. So if you live in Puerto province, you play with everybody that is in there. So A might be in this province there's only four teams that are elite. Everybody else is in between the second or the third. So you play against them. So sometimes you play against some things like, oh, wow, we really above them. Or if you play w- with some other teams, they're like more equal quality, then you can tell they probably are Scuola de Calcio or the are Scuola Calcio elite. It depends. Now, in other regions, for example, like the Lombardy where Milan is located, they probably have way more elite soccer teams. So once in the spring, all the Scuola de Calcio elite teams, they play a tournament. But you have to go kind of like a state, like the region. For example, here we live in a province, Porenone. And then if you go to the next one, it's Udine, where Udinese is. I don't know if you're familiar with Serie And they have a lot of them. So once a year, they play just elite. So you play it against Porenone, Udine, Tawaniaco. Even if you go outside, you play against AC Milani, They get invited. Um, but that's the three categories, and it depends. For example, we live in a town, and the town that we have is the local team is cultures, the second level. They don't have a lot of girls. So we went to Port Anorme because they have a girl program in there. But to get in there is because they're trying to build a program for the females. It wasn't as competitive as if I was trying to bring somebody from base. They have a boy that is the same age as my daughter. He had to get scouted. he had to get selected, he had to get a tryout. And what I'm saying, these kids are competitive. They're very competitive. I mean, they practice four times a week, two hours. And
0: they very technical when it comes down to practice here. Okay, so we're going to get into that. All right, so... All right, so let's unpack it and let's deal with one category at a time. So first of all, I wanna get some um, some vocabulary right. So when you say school though, you don't mean school in the sense that I'm talking about school, like they go to Bethel Elementary School and Bethel Elementary School has a team. You're saying it soccer school as in they're delivering a soccer curriculum, like how Brazil says you're part of the soccer school.
1: Yes, so if you're a school, like the schools here, like the school where you go high school, they don't have their team assigned. You play for the club or like the team or be local. So it's not associated with the school itself where you take like your math yeah. and your yeah, it's, it's different.
0: Okay. So before we dig into the three levels, um, I just want to go through a sort of an intellectual exercise to say, so think about it, think about it, think about it. Is there are there any other ways to play? organized soccer no franchise can you play with your academic school is there an ex-professional who creates a team or is there any other way that a kid can give somebody money or not and play organized soccer other than those three pathways to be honest i
1: i don't think so i haven't seen that and i don't have enough knowledge about that but i don't think usually the kids here are assigned to a club because, like I said, you're local. If you want to play with your little club here and you're near your house, or you want to move up where
0: the big ones are. Okay. Hey. All right. So, all right. So now let's take it from the top. Let's start with the most basic the first one, the first category. What was that called? The, the equivalent of recreational? You're on mute. Okay.
1: Okay, the first one is Centro Calchistico de Wase. So it's like the basic
0: soccer school. Like okay. when you introduce to the sport. All right. And the organization that could put that on, what are the different types? So I'd say in America, it could be a private, it could be a franchise, almost like a McDonald's who says we're going to offer soccer. So here we have an organization called Soccer Shots that does something like that that's a small group of people though the majority of them is your local parking rack or your or a club can do this so there who is offering this these basic provincial community teams who who, what organization so the organization it
1: will be like your local like la comune like your local town hall and it's sponsored by them so sometimes what I say like there is a small town, they don't probably they don't have a big budget to have like a big team. For example, for Enone, they are a escuela elite. That's probably like the biggest city we have around here. They probably have a little bit more of a budget. Plus the team started from Serie C and now they're professional. So they probably get a
0: little bit more income, but it's usually sponsored by the town hall of each town. Okay, so your local town hall. So you, you have a five-year-old, for example, when he's old enough to play, you could go to your local town hall sign them up how much money are you going to give them you think for and what are you going to receive in return
1: so like i was explaining you can go to a local team and sign up because there's no no tryouts no invitation none of that so you go and usually for the whole year it's about 300 depending if it's primi Calci, like the youngest like five years old i know piccoli amici is like the smallest one they about like 250 or 250 euros and you play for the whole year they give you uniforms they give you everything
0: okay and then how many days a week will you will your child practice and we could go to we could skip to like an eight-year-old but i don't want to go much older than that how much how many days a week will they practice and remember in america if i sign them up for a rec I'm going to give them about 110 $115 a, se- a season. It's two seasons, so it's about the same amount of money, but it's going to be a lot less soccer. I'm coaching, and we practice once a week, and we have a game on the weekend. So how do you compare that? So it, it will be twice,
1: twice a week, and you play your games on a Saturday. Uh, the difference, like, like you say, like in the United States, you pay per season, you pay for the year. And one of the bigger kickers that I have here, you have to sign a contract. Like, and, and I you just thought, oh, yeah, I just don't wanna play in this club and I'm just gonna leave you sign a contract. When my daughter came here, I didn't spoke Italian very well They signed a contract. And I was like, why is she signed a contract? She's nine
0: or 10. And that was the first thing that, yeah, <laughs> that caught great. my attention. Yeah, so, okay, so, all right. Now, at those younger ages, are there scouts from the professional clubs, let's say 8, 9, 10, that age, looking at kids in those recreational town hall um, clubs? Also, who is coaching? Sorry, who is coaching at that team?
1: Everybody has to have a license. Everybody has to have a coaching license. It doesn't matter if he's a D license or an E license, but you have to have one. Because when I started here, I was helping with that and I was just kind of like assist coach, or acompañatore. That's how they call it here. And uh, you have to, that. They never let me fully coach because I don't have the certifications. So, but for you to have the co- the team for you, you have to have that.
0: So it might. So it it will likely. Will it likely be a parent who has that certification? Yes, more than likely. More than likely. And will that parent be paid by the club at all? For those
1: low categories, they might be paid a little, but yeah, they do receive a little bit because you're spending your time. Um, but most of the coaches you soccer, they don't leave all soccer around here; they still
0: have to have a regular job. Yeah. Okay, and so and then, in terms of the scouting apparatus in England, let's say that the next thing since uh, Messi joins one of these local clubs, parent doesn't know anything, and their kid is just amazing. At that local town club, that first ones, will the scouts see them? In fact,
1: yes. I have a story that I think I mentioned last time we spoke. I think the team, it was at the second, scuola de Calcio here in Fiume Veneto. And the kid was a 12-year-old, a goalkeeper, amazing, amazing kid. He was just like, he outshined everybody. There is a lot of tournaments that are played in the spring where there's teams from all over Europe coming. It's like a mini World Cup. Even sometimes teams from Argentina and Brazil come. Uh, PSG was having to have a a scouter going around. And next thing you know, he signed a contract at 12 years old with PSG. He moved to Paris with his parents. So it is a possibility that that happens. It depends on
0: where is the type of exposure you have at the moment okay so even at that but if you are at those early early before you get to the second level do they even get exposure there from local scouts maybe or, not because- uh, let me let me say it another way and then you tell me or does the coach say to the kid man next year you need to go and play for this team because you this this is too you too good and they and then it works that way how does it
1: yeah, it probably works that way. Yes, because for you to be seen, you have to be playing at a higher level or a higher level team where you get exposed to these kind of tournaments because a centro calcístico, at like the minimum, I don't think they get to play a lot of the tournaments or they don't qualify for it. So more than likely, you have to be playing in a in a tougher team or a higher category team. But at the bottom is like pretty much kids that are doing it for recreation or to have fun.
0: Okay, so... Now, let me ask you this about the 12 year old specifically. Did you actually see the kid play? Yes, I did saw him in one
1: in one game. So he was 12. My daughter was 10. And it, we happened to be in a tournament. And one of my Italian friends told me, like, do you remember that goalkeeper from that day? He's like, well, he's part of the PSG. You you club right now. And I was like, what is going
0: on? So to the best of your ability and talking to someone and you're from Columbia. So you, you're going to have seen a lot more soccer than me, way more talking to someone who has not seen a kid uh, at least. Yeah. I haven't seen a kid like that. um, At that young age. What does that, what does a 12 year old goalkeeper who gets scouted and moves to PSG? What do they look like? And what, did you notice something was special way before he got recruited? Like you just see him and like, man, this guy has it.
1: Yes, it's it's like for a perspective as a not as a coach as a soccer fan. You see how they positioned themselves, like the leadership in the back. He wasn't afraid to die for the ball. And usually, like with the kids, sometimes they're afraid to do certain things. This kid was flying from pole <laughs> to pole,
0: <laughs> and, and he was organized. And he was organizing the back line just he was just
1: running the show and then like it was hard to score on them because of this kid was there it was it was it was something unique yeah but then again the level here is you see a lot of kids that are very tactical but the goalkeeper brought my attention but it would just happen to my friends like remember that goalkeeper well he's gone i was like oh wow (laughs) wow (laughs) that's
0: that is amazing because i tell people often you know, I grew up playing American sports and I grew up playing basketball, football and this kind of thing, baseball. And these sports are so um, physically dominant that you you can't tell, obviously, if a kid is going to become a professional, that's obviously a very small group of people, but you can tell pretty quickly. If they have the physical attributes, or better yet, they don't have the physical attributes. So, you know, I joke I was on another show, I said, uh, you know, I saw Jerry Stackhouse, which is he's retired now. He was a famous basketball player. I saw him in high school. I saw a few other guys that went to North Carolina, like Jeff McGinnis, a few other guys, In I saw Rasheed Wallace uh, in high school. And if you see these guys in high school against normal other kids, you know immediately that if they don't go to the NBA, it's solely will because they didn't apply themselves. It will not be because of physical attributes because they are literally men against boys, right? But soccer it doesn't work that way, right? You see Iniesta, I'm using him as an example because he's someone we all are familiar with. I mean, what does this do? This guy, you don't know if he's going to be anything, right? So can you imagine him before, earlier? Like a Jesse Lingard It's so different uh, in soccer, compared to um, American sports, if you have a if you have a high school kid throwing an 88 mile an hour fastball, you know what I'm saying? I can work with you, right? I can I can I can work with you. You you throwing 88 miles an hour now? I can work with you, but soccer just doesn't work that way. So that's just an interesting story I, I find. Okay, so we got that. So now we go to the next league, and is that the, not league? Uh, oh, I do have one more question. Sorry. So the league for the smallest ones is that sort? Is that is that set up by the towns, or does that fall under the Italian FIFA? Oh, no, I'm sorry. The Italian FA. I said FIFA. I'm thinking about my boys. Italian FA. And let me tell you why I say that. In America, when you play recreational, you do not fall under. US soccer in that regard. You're almost like off the grid. So that's why the Hispanic clubs, they can create their rec- recreational teams, they get their insurance, but they're really just a nonprofit who is just playing soccer. It's not until you become part of one of these travel clubs that you become, that you get on US soccer, US club soccer's radar screen. So the equivalent of the Italian FA are those small that that first entry point clubs are they on their radar screens
1: or not yes yes they are yes they are because the first team that my daughter played was i think it was at the lower level we didn't know nobody and for her to play they fought under the the italian i say like federation is Coni. don't ask me what it stands for but it's connie yeah. and that's why you have to sign the contract. So for her to start any any player here on base that wants to start playing right away, they have to wait a period about a month. So that way all the information goes to Rome and you get certified as a WEFA player. So in order for you to play, you had to receive that. So like let's say I was helping somebody get into the club where my daughter plays, another female, they had to wait a little longer because there was a delay due to COVID to receive. La Tessera, La Tessera is like a, like a credential that you can play in Italy. So you are registered as a UEFA player, regardless if you play in the small or in the big league.
0: Okay, all right. So, cause here, our clubs register you with, with one of the governing bodies, U.S. soccer or U.S. club, and you get a, call, a player card that's is issued almost like they're insurance companies. Cause that's really what they're, they're like a clearinghouse. You get a player card that's is issued to you on behalf of those governing bodies. All right, got it. So, and I say on behalf of those governing bodies because if you're in North Carolina, you're gonna get a player card is issued to you from the North Carolina Youth Soccer Association, which is a governing body representing U.S. soccer or U.S. club. Okay, I got that. Now, go to the second level, the second one. More competitive, You do they have tryouts?
1: More than likely, no, but they're pretty selective. Usually, I'll take an example for the one that is right here by my town. They are sponsored by AC Milan, and they are the second level. They're not an elite team right now. So every summer, they come, and like people from the Milan comes and sponsor them and everything. They tend to be more strict. So if you are a kid that wants to just have fun, you probably want to stay away from that or for the elite one. Uh, what do because... you mean
0: by sponsored?
1: So what do you what I mean by sponsored? They kind of like I I don't know how to say this word. It's kind of like a affiliate affiliate to that team. So a lot of teams here, even if they are from small towns, they have affiliate with Milan, uh, with Inter. I don't think Juventus have anybody around here, but it's either those two or Udinese, which is the closest club. That particular team is sponsored by them. So let's say before COVID, I guess they selected one or two kids and they take them to El San and they walk out with the players and everything. Um,
0: Okay. so then, so if that's the case then, but how do you become a member of that club as your kid? How does your kid get to that club or one of those clubs in that category? So those are the same you don't have to try
1: out you can just register but they are under a different category than the basic
0: one so what if your kid has never played soccer a day in their life and they register for one of those clubs they get out there they got two left feet what is going to happen (laughs) if they got two left feet then they will
1: they will they will find out automatically i'll take an example for another american boy that he started playing in there besides the language barrier he didn't feel comfortable playing at that level, so he went back to another town where they have another team that
0: is more recreational. Okay. Um, so you so you can do a they'll they'll accept you and it's a sink swing sink or swim, but they but it's going to be really difficult for you. Now, how many if in, in if I understand correctly, are these how many of these types of clubs are around? So in other words, in North Carolina, where I'm at in my city. We have several clubs that offer a similar type of of this competitive league. How does it work there? It, you know, we talked about the first one where you have these town halls that kind of offer these municipalities. That second category is there a lot? Are there a lot of different clubs, or how does that work? Same thing. It's about the municipality,
1: and is it, it it depends. So, let's say in a region for those, I think there is a little more. I think there is like seven or eight. It's a, it's a small
0: province. So when you're making your decision to put your daughter in a in one of these clubs, like, let me get in for North Carolina, I'll go for me. I'll listen to, I'll, I mean, this is literally what happens. I might go to a tryout. This is a, I'll see what is, how it works. And I'll look at the coaching and I'll listen to other parents and blah, blah, blah. And then I'll make my decision on which club I want to go to. How does it work? How did it work for you with your daughter on the club that, that you're adding that second tier, I'll use for lack of a better word. So for that one, she didn't have to try out.
1: She didn't have to try out and because she was the only female, like I say, the soccer for females in Italy is not a big thing. For example, there is only in the region, the friuli is kind of like the state, there's only four girl teams and that's it. So it wasn't, it was, I guess at the beginning it was hard because the language barrier was there, not anymore. But it was just to find somewhere they will allow her to play. But I'll give you an example. The first club she played, it was, I think it was in the second tier, but we try to get into another one and they were not too welcoming because they, they didn't have another girl. And they were like, it was like the military. Everybody goes to play there and nobody's having fun. So at that point I was like, I don't want her to push her. So I'll prefer for you to stick around. So that's why we look for a program that it was catered for females
0: and is her team all female team now
1: yes her team is all female now but her team it is at the elite it's not in the second tier it's in the
0: third tier for the males okay so now we go into the next one so before we go to that next tier the leagues, who organizes the actual leagues that they play in? And you can flip back, back and forth between girl and boy programs, because I know the girl programs are not as mature yet. But who organized the leagues? And again, I'll, I'll punt to U.S. My son's club plays in a league that was created by a group. So in the States, a group of people, it can be other clubs, or it can be a nonprofit, it can be an organization, can say, we're going to create a league, and we're going to invite these clubs to be part of the league. It's literally that simple. And that govern and that group that creates the league is sanctioned by either U.S. Soccer or U.S. Club. So my son plays in a league called the Carolina Champions League. That's where his club plays in, which is created by an organization um, who is sanctioned by the u.s club soccer so your daughter is she in a league is her team in a league that they going to play these teams that you get a calendar this is who we're playing this year is that is that fair yes so as far as for sponsorship like that and from my
1: understanding everything runs through Connie. if you're going to play calcio hey, you have to get registered and everybody's under the same umbrella as far as from my understanding is. There's obviously the differentiation of the levels and commitment of the parents, obviously, uh, but everything goes under CONI, which is the federation for culture here in Italy.
0: But then your league, so let's just use terms we're all familiar with. If I'm in the NBA, I know I'm going to play the Lakers, the Celtics, your league, are, you part of, are they part of a league? Okay, yes,
1: yeah, so the league... The league it will be like the the Venezia Friuli league. league, and kind of like joking back and forth. The regular league everybody plays against everybody, elite, second, and last tier, because it's just the regular league, and because there's not a lot of teams in the whole in the whole province, so everybody's mixed together. There are tournaments that differentiate them. Okay, you're gonna play against this one because you belong to this. You're gonna play against this one because you belong to this.
0: So that's all kind right. of how it All right. So everybody's under Kona, the Federation. You have the different tiers we talked about, but it's but but you can play in a league that crosses all over over all of them because you're at different, because there's not a whole lot of teams. But then do you win? Can you win the league? Can your daughter's team become the champions of that league? So the mentality here in Italy, you don't win until you
1: sorniente. Sorniente is when you're 11, 11, 12. That's when it gets competitive. You can win the league before you just play, and it's kind of like kind of like the Premier League or Serie A. Whoever makes more points, they win, and that's it. Where you really, win, but like the league there is not like a. If you're a younger kid, there's not like a winner or a loser. They don't have that mentality because they don't start. Soccer here need needle until you're five, period. You got to be five and then that. Now, you can win tournaments because there's tournaments in the spring like literally every other weekend. And that's where you win your trophies and you, oh, we won this tournament, we participated in this. But the league doesn't give it anything. As far as for us, no.
0: Now, okay. So, now, what about the coaching when you compare a team that's in the sort of recreation, I'm gonna use the term recreation, the first category, compared where everybody's licensed, but it might be a parent who is volunteering a lot of their time. What is the coaching gonna be like at the second one, second group level? It, dep- it depends what kind of license you have. You have the E,
1: it's like the recreational. Everybody can take it. And it is, when you start stepping down to the D, to the G, or like, like C, B, A, if you get like a C license, you're probably coaching a higher level team, like a school elite, or you're probably coaching Serie C or
0: D. But what so I'm saying what... is, but what I'm saying is, in terms of understanding the general pathway, um, when I sign my kid up for that second group of kid, that second middle tier, what kind of coaching in general am I going to expect? So let me give you an example. If I sign my child up for recreational in the States, I know I'm gonna get a parent coach, period, who may or may not have a background in soccer, who may or may not be able to come to all the games and that's okay. But when I sign them up for travel, I know I'm gonna get a licensed coach who is trying to implement a soccer curriculum that's been given to him or her by the club. Now they, their licenses may vary based on their age, commitment and blah, blah, blah. But I know roughly there's some standard coaching that I'm gonna receive. Before you get into whether the coaching is good or bad, there's a standard that they're trying to achieve. So I'm trying to understand, you sign up for the middle tier, what are, what are you going to get in general? I Honestly, for, when it comes down to licenses and level of the coaching,
1: I, I'm not too sure about that. Um, obviously it has to be a higher, probably like I said, like I mentioned, depending on what kind of license you have and the experience, but it's definitely going to be a better coaching than the other one. I don't think there's so much difference between the second and the third, but for you to be in the elite, you have to coach, you have to have at the minimum, a C license at the minimum.
0: So, so, so everything
1: you, from. Oh, go ahead. No, and everything in between. So if you had like a D license, you probably can coach at the second. It just goes by kind of like the licensee, but that's my my understanding, but I'm not too familiar with the level.
0: Okay, and then before we go to the final level, within that middle tier, is there a big variation between the, the level of the teams? in between like the
1: the middle tier and the second or in between no in between each the middle other? tier
0: yeah because in in america you know two we can say you know we all play travel soccer but it can be vastly different skill levels within the travel soccer category do you find that to be the case in the middle tier in the middle tier for my understanding
1: uh is For you to cross there, I mean, you have to have some kind of requirements that I'm not too familiar with. So I think the teams could be pretty equally, but then again, this tier is broader than the one on top. So it can be a vast majority where you have a really good B teams and there's other ones that are
0: okay, depending where you're located at. Okay. So now let's, thank you for that. So let's go to the one on top. So what was the name of the one on top again? It's on mute.
1: Oh, uh, OK. Yeah, here we yeah. go. So the last one is Escuela de Calcio Elite. So it's, it's School of Soccer Elite. OK. And that's where where if you're serious and you have the commitment, that's where you're going to. Because usually sponsored by teams, they are either professionistic, they are professional. So like for example, my daughter has affiliation with the team that's in Serie B. And that's why they're a school elite there. So the teams in the region. So I can tell you like in the region, you know, in the province, we have only four, about four. Everything else is in between the, the second tier and the last tier. there's only four.
0: Now, so let, if you want to go well, ahead. Let me give it before you go to, so you got four here, but if you went to Italy for, oh no, sorry, if you went to Rome, for example, Milan, would it be a lot more of these?
1: Oh, most definitely. You don't even have to go that far. You go to Udine, which is the next province, uh-huh. and there is at least 13 of them. There is a lot of them because there is a professional Serie A team in the city. If you go to Milan, I'm sure like the majority are because everybody trying to compete against Inter Milan and uh, Atalanta. So it's like the same in the same region. So I'm definitely sure that in those regions yes because we live in more like a rural area that's se, okay so,
0: so now that i understand that all right so you got four and your daughter plays for one now and that yes. one is associated with i know english english terms you know how you got the premiership they associated with the equivalent of the championship is that fair
1: uh that's kind of like this uh
0: second, the, the second yeah, the second
1: yeah the second division kind of yeah
0: okay and then are you okay and then how do you get into that team
1: okay i can there's two different ways if you're a boy or if you're a girl
0: in which age
1: i let's start with
0: just your daughter first your daughter 11 is a girl
1: so she we're moving in there because they have a that's the only official female teams that we have in the area. So they started a big program where they actually go into schools, try to recruit girls because they're not really into it. So to get in, it wasn't hard because they were in a herd of females. Plus, Americans has the, how do you say, they know because the national team is well known. So all the girls in the United States play soccer. Usually here, girls don't do that. Um, So it wasn't hard. Uh, I remember the first season, there was not enough girls. So it was, let's say, half of the team were experienced and the other half were introduced to the. So it was a big mixture. The thing is, you're playing against really competitive teams they are all boys. Now, one thing that is very particular about this, and I'm kind of going back and forth, if you belong to this group, to the league, because you're professional, you let's say your boy is a 10 year is in a, a U10. Because your team belongs to this category, you can play against other teams that are under different categories that are 11, if, if I understand it. So, yes, there's a tournament that is everybody's U11, but because you're in this third tier, the elite, you can play it against them. Same thing with girls. So, we play with boys that are one year younger than them because since they are in an upper tier, they get to play against the second and the final one. And obviously boys are faster. So, I mean, sometimes going to a game is a little painful because they sometimes they put a bead on them because these <laughs> kids are good. But yeah. it's only going to make you better. It's only going
0: to make you better. Exactly. Nah. So let's talk about the boys. How, does the, how do the boys get into one of these four teams? Let's start with these four teams first. Okay,
1: I'll give you an example. My son, he just recently turns four, the 17, I mean five. So we yeah. were super excited to get him in and reporting on it with my daughter. Kobe ruined it, so he cannot play. So if you're starting from the beginning when he's five, and Piccoli Amici, then you just have to register because they little. They're not looking at competition. A five year old, you're not going to put a try on a five year old. The, the concentration span for them is like two minutes and then they're ready next to do something else. So if you start them early, you can get them even to, until they like seven. When they become eight, it's a little bit more competitive because you practice four times a week when you're eight years old and you play games. So it's up, up to like what's the commitment you want. I don't think they give you too much problem. But, for example, I try to uh, get a, an American guy who has a Sunday in plane travel in the United States and who's trying to get in and he was intimidated by the language barrier because Italians are not, not everybody, but English is not a, like a, a official second language in this country like everyone else in Europe, you know. So he felt a little competitive, uh, intimidated by that, and plus he was going go to try to go to Porenone, which Porenone is an elite team of the region. So the kids that his age, I believe he's nine, he got a little intimidated. He said, no, we're going to try to play somewhere else and come back in. It's four times, is a lot more competition. Now, if you are 10 years old or nine years old and up, you do have to try out. And if you get selected, fine, if you don't, but you have to get, now, if you trying to get in when you order 13, well, because Sorniente is from 11 to 12, that's the category. You 13 and up, you have to get invited. And that's when everything that the state standings, standing nationwide, that's when it starts. Tickening consideration and all that.
0: Okay, so let's unpack that and let's compare that to the UK, for example. So let's just take Arsenal, for example. Even at eight years old, I can't quote unquote, they don't have open tryouts for their academy. First of all, is it fair to make the comparison to say your daughter is playing for a second division team's academy? Is that fair? Like the way that we think about academies you know, Real Madrid Academy, whatever, is that a fair statement? And then is it also fair to say, and in this case, because she's a Vanguard or one of the first girls, it was easier for her to make it into that, to get into that Academy team. But a boy in the same situation would, it would be a little bit more competitive, even though that boy would be able to try out unlike they would, if it was like Real Madrid Academy. Because my, and let me just say this, because my understanding in say Real Madrid Academy, Arsenal Academy, even at eight, they got to invite you. They got to, they're going to see you in a grassroots club and they're going to ask you, your child to come and train with, try, try out with them. So how would you respond to that? Is that a fair comparison?
1: Uh, so like to compare it to Real Madrid, I mean, this is a Serie B team. So obviously they stand, if we probably compare it to, Let's say Milan or Juventus and that's a different story. And I'm probably even younger, seven, you have to get invited. Just using because that's the scuola calcio. It was because they built on the program around. Um, so probably I would say it was it wasn't challenging, I say, because she didn't have to try out. They needed players and she got in there. Now the exposure she's about to have is is good.
0: So, yes. So just to understand the pathway, if, if it's Juventus and your your daughter is 10 or 11 or your son, again, we bouncing back and forth on gender. I'm basically asking, is this Juventus AC Milan? Is that a different category from the three or is that just one of the that's within the top category? But the entry point is different. How you enter is different.
1: That's definitely, definitely.
0: More so yeah, definitely. So putting this in a bow, does your will your daughter play the equivalent of Juventus in her area? Yes, sir. Because we have okay. to play
1: Udinese. Yes. So the teams that are female here in the region, there is one that is called Tawaniaco. and they have a Serie team for females. They don't have a male Serie. They have a female. We play against Udinese, which is Pretty much kind of like it would be. So just to give you like a quick update. So in the spring, hopefully in March or May, there's a tournament where you have to qualify from each region. And it's play in – you have to qualify from the region and then you go to Milan to play the second half. And the best two teams from each region go play a tournament there, okay? When you go to Milan, if you make it to Milan, and it's elite, you're playing against – inter juventus atalanta roma and napoli everybody's there
0: that's kind of like so great so the coaching again we're going back to in general what am i going to see differently you know in coaching what's the coaching level going to be like at that those that top tier that you talked about versus those other two tiers I, like I said, like the first thing will be the licensing because at the minimum they have to
1: have a C license, and to get okay. a C license A before you need experience B, it costs money, which if you have it, you have it. But you have to have, and you have to get sponsored by the club to take the license, and then they can invite you, and I guess they do an evaluation, and then you can perform with them because they have to have quality coaching because for these clubs there's a ranking nationwide and we start losing games when you start losing spots or gaining spots. So that's when it gets like more cutthroat when you like become U 13. So they have to have quality coaching for these kind of clubs. Definitely.
0: And do these clubs, do these coaches do this or any of them do it full time?
1: All right. For the club of my daughter, not full time, but I can ask, I can tell you for Udine, like you can tell, even compared to our club Udine because they are sponsored by Udinese they have a large staff they have at least four or five coaches per team and you can tell they like they like way more organ- not that we're disorganized we're super organized but you can tell the level of coaching they probably these guys have B license I don't know maybe I mean if you got A license you probably need to be coaching like adults at this point
0: yeah but yes Okay, so to put this in a bow, your daughter plays in the same category as the equivalent of uh, Juventus. And I don't know all these other names, even though she plays on a uh, second division team in the youth soccer environment in Italy. If you play in these tournaments, if you qualify to play in these tournaments, you're going to play Series A teams. And that same holds true for the boys as well. Now, the entry point to get into that can be a combination of invitation and tryout. And it depends on gender, obviously, and in the situation that the club is in and how how much they need you. And then the coaching, you're going to get a higher level of coaching in that top tier. How many games and how long is the season for your daughter? Like, do they come to you and say 10 months and you're going to play this many games or how does that work?
1: It's all year round. <laughs> we start in August, and we play until, like, December. And January, like, the second week of January, we're back at it again. It's not, like, a long break. Okay. A- yeah, so, like, February... Oh, oh. Like, February 1st, they start the games again. And, like I said, the spring, that's when they start those tournaments. The Galini cups, and that's when you... Like I said, she plays practice three times right now, but the boys at her level plays four times. Like I said, from eight and up, yeah.
0: Okay, so we're about to wrap it up now. So last couple of blocking and tackling questions. How much roughly do you pay to for your daughter to play in this top-tier team?
1: I pay 380 euros, and it comes with uniform, uh, roughly like four hundred and sixty dollars if you convert everything.
0: Okay, so about, you pay yeah, the, and that gets you the uniforms, and that's basically that's about how much you pay for the year. Yes. Yes. Okay, and then I gotta ask the obvious: and they're scouts at those games and at those tournaments. Yes. Yes. Are those yes? Okay. Depending we scope it is has there All right, and then tell me about the um odp program for the u.s citizens so the odp is
1: definitely by tryout. they have a pool a bigger pool for it, comparison to united states is per state this is just your whole europe because we may not have enough players in your Euro- and in, let's say in Italy in a region to fill up one category so the pool is for whole europe they do the tryouts in these countries where there is a, the vast majority of Americans, which I will say probably Germany has a large population of Americans. England has a lot, Spain has a lot, and Italy. And out of those is all the categories from U12 all the way up. Uh, they scout and then they go and play tournaments in different countries of Europe representing U.S. against local clubs. Like I say, they play in a tournament, scheduled tournament in March to play in Germany, in Bitburg. And there's another one that is scheduled to be in Spain for a whole week. We got two canceled because due to COVID, but it was supposed to be Austria and Italy. And that's for the whole year. So you qualify for one year, you represent the U.S. in these tournaments, and then you apply again next year. It's not like
0: once you in, you in. Okay, and you and so and when you represent the U.S. in these tournaments, you're going as a team. So it's not like an ODP tournament per se. You're going as one of the teams, almost like an all-star team they're putting together, and you're playing in your uh, in a bracket. Is that fair? Yes, yes. But then there could be other national. Is this fair? I don't know. Other other youth national teams playing in that tournament, those tournaments as well that i don't know because this will be our first time doing it okay but there'll definitely be other top clubs playing in that tournament and you're and the organizer organizers are effectively putting together an all-star american team so that they can compete in those tournaments yes from my understanding yes and then do you but do you, do you practice with any or is it just like you get there how do you cuz everybody's from all over different countries how does that work so, for the tournaments,
1: from my understanding, they usually are like a long weekend. So, they're trying to put it like on a four day weekend. So, you arrive on Friday, you practice that Friday and Saturday, and you play the whole day on Sunday. Or it can be you practice one day and then Saturday and Sunday you play the tournament, like the different, depending. Now, there's one that is a whole week long. So, you arrive on Friday, practice Saturday, Sunday, and start playing games throughout. It's kind of like a national team where you get selected. I yeah. That's kind of like the way
0: I see it. Now, all right, so we're wrapping this up. So what, What? okay, so let's assume for the sake of argument, I always ask this question, that you feel like your son or daughter is good enough or you want them to be good enough to play for a um, Series A team, okay, and they don't make it or they're not recruited, Okay. In the States, when that happens, here is what we can do. Here are the resources we have available options. I should say options we have available for us. One, we can sign them up for another club that offers high-level training, but maybe it's a smaller club and in the hope that they're going to get good enough to then try out for the team. So let's say if I was in Atlanta, let's use terms that we're familiar with. If I were in Atlanta and my child did not, was recruited by Atlanta United and didn't make it or has not been recruited by Atlanta United, but I think, you know, they have a desire to do that. I could sign them up for a local club that offers quality training in the hope that they will eventually get spotted by Atlanta United. That's one option. Another option, and they're not mutually exclusive, you can do all the above, is I can get them private training. I can pay someone to train my child. Another option is, again, you can do all the above. I as a parent can work with my child. And another option is they have these clinics, these mainly indoor clinics, where they focus almost exclusively on technical training. So I can pay and get supplemental training that way. What, your child, you you live in Milan, you want your child to be part of AC Milan. They're not yet, they're 10 years old. What, What options in Italy do the locals have?
1: as far as for additional training summer is like they ha- every single team has a camp and you can just pay and go
0: Once Okay. Again, so, and do they do the camps when you say when you use the word camp is it the way that americans would understand a camp yes okay yes. so one is many of the t- kid teams offer summer camps in the summer
1: yes yes yeah, they do summer camps. Every single team has it. Even teams from outside, they come. For example, this summer, I was supposed to get involved with the first time the Barcelona, FC Barcelona was doing the first time female camp here in Italy, in San Marino, which is a small country part of Italy. Um, and they needed somebody they spoke Spanish and they spoke English because everybody needs to speak English. Well, we, in Italy, we need somebody to speak Italian. So I said, well, I'm your guy. I have experience. Let me help you. And they say, "Bet, all right, we're gonna let you get in here. We're gonna pay for your lodging, and your daughter will probably get a discount because you're giving us a hand." I say, "That sounds great." Covid ruined it. <laughs> all right, so we decided. All right, well, that was was in June. Well, this year got ruined because we still was recovering. The Juventus was in July, and I say, "Well, let's go to Juventus." The way the camps are here, I don't know how they are in the United States, but the camps you pretty much give it like a camp, like. You drop them off at the hotel for a week or two, depending how much you want to pay. And let's say you do a week and you drop them off that Sunday and they practice eight in the morning, eat breakfast, whatever, shower, do lunch, practice a little bit more afternoon, do another session at night. So they practice in three times a day, go to sleep, do it again for a week. And you get coaching from directly from like Juventus, whatever it is. So they the Juventus one, for example, they divided one. It was just like Yes, just like the ball control, like the things on the field, like tactical. This is what you do. You play the games. You get a certificate. You get the shirt. You get the uniform. The second week was more like, you say, like a clinic. It was just strictly tactical, ball control, shooting skills, speed, ref- reflex, all that stuff for an extra week. We were only going to do one week because it kind of expensive and... Then I, I told her, like, look, we're in Europe. we got to take advantage of being here and getting exposed to these things. Uh, play with coaching from Barcelona because the staff was coming from Spain. And same thing for same thing here doing with the Juventus one. Um,
0: but that's the options that I have. What about clinics? Are there people who say, come here on Tuesdays, every Tuesday we're doing this clinic?
1: So the, the clinic, the, each club has like a different session. So for example, I give you goalkeeper. So let's say you're in a mid-tier team and you practice twice a week. So Tuesdays and, and Thursdays you practice with the, everybody in the team. But Mondays is goalkeeper training. For most of the clubs that I have seen, that's what they do. They can probably do, but it's after the club. It's after the it, club it's up to a close another thing like i was telling you like that team that is sponsored by the ac milan they do the ac milan camp here but it's not necessarily like the one you do in milan it's more like a clinic and it's for i think a week or, or a little bit less than a week and you can find stuff like that around the summer
0: okay so culturally so now we're going to switch to this because we're wrapping it up culturally you know how american you know how american parents are in general when it comes to kids who play competitive we can be quite involved it's not uncommon for american parents to work with their child in the backyard it's not it's not that most of them do cuz they don't but it's not uncommon if you see an american parent working with their cat, kid that's not like crazy when you start thinking about the italian locals from what you have seen what is their disposition to competitive soccer let's deal with the boys first then we'll go to the girls uh and let me give you another example like my parents they would not have cared much either way you you know they 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 were very devoted they took us to the games they cheered on but they didn't really care about the details like what league you're going to be in what team they just thought about it as oh you're gonna play in a local team you're gonna have fun that's what kind of what you do so i'm just trying to understand culturally the italian parent mentality from what you have seen how involved are they in the in the in the um progression the development the soccer opportunities of the children
1: okay so almost okay the involvement of the parents they pretty involved I don't think they are uh, over the top like the Americans. I will say that, uh, but then again, you if you can see like the parents that have kids in like competitive leagues and everything, they get really involved. Uh, I remember sometimes seeing like they bring in like their like like the flags and they really love. And they take it's usually really quiet, but they not like over the top like that. Another different thing is like if your kid, for example, you play with your dad outside and everything and. Maybe in some cities of the United States, you see it. Like me, I grew up in Colombia. And if you want to get better at something, just go outside with your friends, put two rocks or two shoes and start kicking the ball. You see that here as well, because it's not something that you do just for competitiveness. It's something that everybody enjoys and loves to do here. You go to a little park, there's always a kid kicking the ball or doing something like that. Or you get a group of kids that are kicking the ball getting there yes so that's kind of like how they do it
0: okay so if you had a room of 100 italian uh parents and you ask them raise your hand if you specifically go out and train your child how many of them are going to raise it so in the states i think the answer would be if someone asked me that i would say um five or ten. Five or ten parents would say yeah I go out and I train my kid, and that's and that's being generous. It may be less than that, and then another ten or fifteen, if they're in a the competitive, or even 30 we'll say I pay someone to do that. So what a, if I ask a hundred kid, a uh, hundred parents in Italy, who have their kids in a competitive program, how many of you guys go out and train your kids? What, how many are gonna say, what are they gonna say? Um, what, that's a tough. That's a tough one, because I have experienced both. But the difference
1: is, usually the parents here, they play too. Like when we do cookouts and everything, or we go to the house, we just go in the yard, start kicking around with the kids. Personally, I don't know if they actually go out there with them. But they usually are either outside with their brother or sister, kicking the ball or aiming at something, a can. They put a can and they aim it with a ball. So that's kind of like a training, even though you just make it as a game. But usually the soccer parents that I have, man, they all play because we all have play together. We go to after each season, we do that when we go to our house or we go to a park and we end up playing or we started meeting like Sundays and play with the kids.
0: Yeah, and that's sort of like my dad. My dad was a baseball coach and I, I happened to be, get really good at baseball, but it had more to do with just being around it all the time and then wanting to be like him and play and all that kind of stuff. But he didn't, Mm, he, they, it wasn't even part of the vocabulary to go out and actually train you. So I get that. So the last question on this then is free play. How much does your do you see the kids? If you're to compare it to the states, and you're trying to give someone the impression of what it's like, how much are they free playing compared to what you see in the states? As
1: far as like playing in the streets or like yeah, just it,
0: free playing, no structure. Oh. Just,
1: Oh, all the time. It's, it's, like I said, like Italy is all about calcio and cycling because the Giro d'Italia and everything, but it's calcio and, and calcio and then it's cycling. And you see it a lot. You see it a lot. Like I say, sometimes we used to meet just to play with them. And it's kind of similar like it was in Colombia because in Colombia you go to any neighborhood and there's kids playing in the concrete. No matter. Oh, car coming, move the ball. You see that a lot. I'll, okay, so maybe not so much in some of the towns that I live because there's a lot of older people. But when you see or are in a, in a neighborhood where there is a group of kids, they usually go out there. Like, for example, mine is a lot, majority are older, so you don't really see that many kids. But I have seen in other areas where you see the kids just kicking the ball out there.
0: And, and do the parents have them play other sports? You know how in America there's a big thing about the multi sport situation and multi the benefits of multi-sport and and then some people argue you know it might be overhyped I don't know because American culture is quite unique because we have very very um um strong sports across the board where most countries are not like that so last question on this in terms of sports specialization do the parents even is this something they even think about Do they go and try to intentionally sign their kid up for, like you said, cycling and basketball and some other sports or it's just not that or it doesn't work that way? It
1: depends. Like, it depends. Like, I see a lot of parents, too. They sign the kids up because there's a lot of mountains here because the Alps literally are behind my house. So a lot of people go and ski. So that's kind of like the second thing. But the difference is, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't, I don't, think I have like an answer. But it's like every kid here likes that. So more than likely, their friends are playing calcio. They want to play calcio. If they have another interest, maybe cycling, or maybe they. I see a lot of at, athletic, at, uh, like, um, like disc, like the people uh, that like like athletic, athletic training. Um, but the domination for soccer here is. For kids, I say the majority is – I don't think it's the parent push them any other direction. They just push them where they want to be, and usually where they want to be is with that.
0: Yeah, and, that, and that's a common response. And these are tough questions, because, and you're just generalizing anyways. And we're going to wrap this up. Hey, guys, you've been listening to the Inside Scoop. I'm your host, Neil Crawford. I'm also the founder of Anytime Soccer Training, and I've been talking to Alejandro Munura. No, oh, God, I gotta keep messing it up. Hold on, don't Monera. Perfect. You know, see, I have to say Panera silently and then say Monera. And I should do a better job as a host, but hey, I'm just a dad. I'm trying to figure this stuff out. And so I really appreciate your patience. And you guys can't see he's just laughing at me and grinning. But you 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 were in South Carolina, so you know the deal. And man, this has been fascinating. You know, i I'm, I'm so saddened after listening to this podcast though. After doing recording this, because I'm just like, man, you guys are going to be living your best life. And then March started happening. Y'all probably were like, oh, my God. Besides the fact that this has been an international and global pandemic, so I don't want to make light of a terrible, terrible situation. We've all had family that's been impacted or friends that have been impacted in some way, so I don't want to make light of that. But then when i start thinking about the things that i can't do um, you know it's always someone else out there that's like well whatever story you have i can multiply that by a hundred and in this particular case as it comes to soccer you know we were off for a couple months and you know we missed part of our season but when you start thinking about uh missing going to this part of europe that part of europe going to spain going here it's just a lot. So I know you guys are hanging in there and I really appreciate that. And so I'm gonna leave with this saying, hey, good luck, right? Keep us posted, right? And uh, and, and definitely thank you for taking your time to uh, talk to us. Any last words? Thank you for having me. Uh, it's been a pleasure. I actually learned
1: a lot about US soccer, even though I knew Everything, a little bit about it. Now I have a, like a broader idea when I come back and everything. Yeah. One well, Oh, la- go ahead. One last thing as far as COVID and everything. Just to wrap it up, only clubs that are affiliated with a professional or upper league, like just affiliated to a professional team, can practice. So right now, my daughter is about to go to practice in about in a few minutes. Oh, okay. Only teams that are affiliated from U12 and up can practice because they're affiliated to a professional team. Everybody else right now is closed.
0: Wow. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for that. And I know you got to run off. And uh, man, I appreciate it. And when you come to the States, we'll do another interview where you can compare your experience after a year living in the States to what you experienced in Italy. You got to be nice to us, dumb Americans. But with that being said, Hey, Alejandro, thank you. And let's stay in touch on the Facebook group as well. This has been Neil Crawford with Inside Scoop. Thanks for listening. um, And and let's get better together. Thank you for having me. All right, take care. Take care.